everyone. I am so happy to be here with you. This is Sarah Ben Casa, and this is Well, This Isn't Normal, a podcast about dealing with everything. <laughs> everything and then some. We do some stress relief work here. Sometimes I talk to people about how they relieve stress. Other times I read you little stories, nonfiction stories, that I've written about different things of interest. Quite often you hear my cat Polly making noises. Sometimes you hear the sounds of a sweet, sweet New York City where I live. My hope always is that this podcast helps you to feel loved, safer, more secure, less alone in the world. Loved is a weird thing for me to say, I suppose, because I don't know you and you don't know me, not personally. I mean, some of you do. Some of my friends and family listen. But um, I guess by loved, uh, I mean sort of warm and safe and secure just for a moment, you know? I hope that this podcast offers some things, some wisdom, typically wisdom not from me, but that I'm conveying that I've read or heard from other people. Occasionally I have a good original thought, but um, much of it, especially today's episode, will be borrowed and attributed. (laughs) But I hope that you can take some wisdom from this show, which really is like all of my art, my letter to the world, a little letter to the world. And when we write these letters to the world or we create, film, compose, dance, uh, pantomime, whatever it is, when we do whatever way we get these, um, these letters to the world out, and however many people experience them, I do think that it's really, it's, it's really profound. It's profound to be able to take something that first just occurred inside your own noggin and put it out into the world. So I have been on vacation, allegedly. I've been on staycation. I was supposed to go on a little beach trip with some folks, but some of those folks got COVID and they're doing fine, thank goodness, but it meant no beach trip. And that's okay. I'm quite relieved, actually. And I will say that it's not that I wasn't looking forward to it. I was, but I got to be in my home, which is not big. It's about 520 square feet inside and um you know and there's closets involved right so (laughs) that's that's not just all one big open space or something and got the home cleaner a bit more organized I've gotten to stretch out and live my dream of a pretend yoga studio (laughs) like I, truly, I try to move or exercise 10 minutes a day, and I don't always do that. So trust me, I wasn't doing spectacular, impressive things. Um, I've gotten to write, to create, to work on a pilot that I had wanted to write for a bit. And um, I don't know where I'm at as far as how I feel about what I've written so far. 
I printed it out, which I advise for any writers, if you're able to print out your work so that it's not just living electronically, but it becomes a hard copy thing you can hold. Um, that can really help you get different eyes. Like, a, it, it's your, still your eyes, but you know what I mean? It's, it's It feels different to do that. And it can help you see the work a bit differently. Even if, as with a, a script for television, it's not the ideally the end point is that it is filmed right it's it's not read by people in in book format but um but it still helps printing it out and writing on it in pen or excuse me pencil still helps uh, i've gotten to do more reading and dive more into somebody who has inspired this podcast today dive more into the work of a famous renaissance era french nobleman writer and the first personal essayist that we have in fact he he invented the terminology for it essay or essay uh michelle ekim de montagna some of you will have read montagna which is spelled montaigne m-o-n-t-a-i-g-n-e in university perhaps in high school i i can't recall if i was assigned any montagna um my patchwork secondary and tertiary education undergraduate at Emerson College and Warren Wilson College and then a graduate school at Teachers College at Columbia University I was you know in in elementary school middle school and to an extent in high school I was sort of a model student type a workaholic Surprise, says the person creating another podcast episode on vacation. But I love this shit. Um, And uh, when I got to college, I just, it was harder for me to pay attention to do stuff. Which proved to be a bit expensive, unfortunately. Uh, But I'm very lucky I got the education that I did. And so... I have been, and you're probably going to hear the AC kick on right about now. There we go. Uh, Hopefully it won't take away from this experience because there's a cat on my lap and she's not freaking out right now, so I'm not getting up. I'll adjust the mic a little bit. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy the background noise. Let's pause for room tone. It's not that bad. Okay. So, um... So Montagna wrote The Essays, which is a book now, a collection that was originally published in three books, plus I think some assorted one-off essays. And over the years, it's been compiled together and edited and translated into many different languages. And um, so it's uh, it's in the public domain. It's out of <laughs> copyright. I don't think it was ever in copyright. And so that means that really any publisher can take a crack at it and it seems to sell well reliably. It has influenced a lot of writers over the years and it's certainly influencing me. I, I felt that as somebody who writes personal essays and I've written them for Glamour and Cosmopolitan and oh gosh, CNN. <laughs> dot com and uh the guardian and where else in style and all sorts of different places that i've been so fortunate uh pipe wrench magazine where i write a quarterly column so i've I've gotten to write i've been so blessed to get paid to write them and then i also 
um, write stuff uh, just because I feel like it. I write essays at sarahjbenincasa.medium.com. You can, by the way, support me there if you want to by purchasing a subscription to Medium through my link, which you'll see if you go to any of the essays that are posted at sarahjbenincasa.medium.com, but they should be freely available for you to read regardless. Also, by the way, thank you to the patrons at patreon.com slash sarahbenincasa. You support this podcast while this isn't normal. You support my other little projects like uh, the Instagram account, Excellent Coats on Irritated Women, and you support my non-commissioned essays, which is what I write for Medium. Um, sometimes I earn some money from them if it hits a certain number of clicks. Uh, sometimes I earn zero dollars from them. Medium's a great place where I get to write what I want to write. This is not sponsored, obviously, although I am suggesting that you go and read my stuff. And, um, you know, if you like it, pass it on. Anyway, what was my point? Ah, yes. So I've written personal essays for years and, of course, uh, you know, eventually got around to reading Joan Didion. My first way in to personal essays was David Sedaris when I was in my 20s. That was, I just loved his stuff so much. Um, And I've read different ones over the years by different authors. Didion was more recent. Didion I got into in my 30s and um, now here I am in my 40s reading Montagna. So uh, apparently I go back in time as this goes. <laughs> and I should also say that uh, I continue to read this beautiful, right now that I'm looking at it's right in front of me. You can hear me moving the book. Uh, it's a book that's a, it, it is a travelogue. It's also a cookbook. It's um, Vibration Cooking or The Travel Notes of a Geechee Girl by Vertime Smart Grosvenor. And it has been incredibly influential on a generation of cooks slash chefs and um, travel writers and food writers, especially folks in, in and from the American South. So, okay. Different, different folks who have influenced me, I think, is the general topic, or from whom I'm learning. But um, there's a professor named Antoine Compagnon who wrote a little book called A Summer with Montagna on the Art of Living Well. And it came out in France, let's see, what year? Uh, 2013. And uh, I think was first published here in the States in 2019. And I guess the deal is that Compagnon um, was or is a professor of French literature at Collège de France in Paris. And he is the Blanche W. Knopf Professor of French and Comparative Literature at Columbia University, New York. Uh, He's a member of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, whatever that is, and holds honorary degrees from King's College London, HEC Paris, and the University of Liège. And then it's translated by Tina Cover, or Cover. And so he, I guess, Professor Compagnon was asked to do a series of brief radio essays in France um, in, you know, in the early 2010s at some point. And so he did. He just selected and it, about Montagna, who's a, a, something of a national literary hero, uh, I think, over, over yonder. So, um, yes, 
Uh, it would be nice if I could... <laughs> Very professional over here. Uh, if I could find what I had marked out, what I wanted to fucking read to you. Will I cut this part out? Will I edit this out? Probably not. Oh, there it is. <clears throat> All right. So, Professor Antoine Compagnon did this little series of audio essays, radio essays, and then it became a book, and it's all about Montaigne. So I wanted to read this part to you, which stood out to me. It's from uh, chapter 10, Nightmares. But what does Montaigne say? In solitude, instead of finding serenity, discovering his fixed point, he tells us that he experienced mental distress and anxiety. The spiritual malady of melancholy, or asedia, the depression that struck monks during their rest periods, the torpor of temptation. So let me break here and say that Montaigne was a civil servant. He was uh, at different times the, the mayor of Bordeaux in France. He lived through their horrific, violent, disgusting civil wars, which typically involved Catholics and Protestants and the, the French Protestant faction called the Huguenots, um, many of whom later emigrated to the United States and had a particular uh, influence on architecture and society uh, as colonizers in uh, the low country of South Carolina, among other places in these United States. Anyway, before they were these United States. So, but he's living in the 1500s and he's thinking, okay, I, 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 I'm a bunch of shits going on. Uh, I am going to retire. I am 38 years old. I'm going to retire. And, you know, who knows how long we got in... This time, I'm middle-aged, hopefully at 38, but uh, I'm somebody who gets kidney stone attacks all the time. Also, it's Renaissance France. People die at the drop of a hat. Uh, I've had at least uh, six children, and only one of them has survived past uh, infancy. Uh, so I'm Michelle Ikiem de Montagna and I'm going to fucking retire because I got estates and I'm just going to go there and chill and contemplate life. And, uh, I'm not super into my wife, but like, whatever, this is all very, uh, academic. So that's where this dude is at, at this point. He's 38 and he's like, fuck it, bro. I'm going to retire. <laughs> Um, like Cicero, Montagna believed that man could never really be himself in public life, in the world of society and work, but only in solitude, meditation, and reading. So clearly, life of privilege this person is living, that he even has this option. Okay, uh, let's go back. Age, Montagna thought, should have given him gravity. But no, his mind was restless and unable to concentrate, like a horse that has broke from its rider, as he beautifully describes it, running in every direction, becoming scattered as it never did when his duties as a magistrate kept it under control. The chimeras and fantastic monsters that took possession of his imagination were nightmares that tormented him. Rather than the hoped-for peace, reminiscent of the Hieronymus Bosch painting, The Temptation of St. Anthony. So he's expecting to get to relax and to enjoy his middle age, which might be his old age. Um, and that's not, not what's happening. He goes, as many, I think, 
people do, particularly men uh, who have been told that they're taught that their whole lives, what matters most is productivity and their job identity, he becomes deeply depressed and he is plagued by nightmares. He's retired and everything sucks. And some of you may be people who've retired and have experienced that depression. Um, and, and you may have seen it occur in your parents as well. It's not true for everybody. Some people are like, fuck yeah, I am chilling. But um, some people find themselves idle and restless and, and depression can poke through. Uh, various things that perhaps were kept at bay by the busyness of work now can come through. Okay, back to uh, Professor Compagnon's book about Montagna. So, he tells us, he began writing. The goal of retirement was not to write, but to read, to reflect, to meditate. Writing was invented as a remedy, a way of calming his anxiety and taming his demons. Montagna resolved to record the things that went through his mind, to commit them to writing. This writing was the great register, the guest book of check-ins and check-outs. Montagna had decided to keep an account of his own thoughts and flights of fancy, to put them in some sort of order, and take back control of himself. In short, seeking wisdom in solitude, Montagna instead flirted with madness, he saved himself, cured himself of his delusions and hallucinations by writing them down. Writing the essays, then, allowed him to regain mastery of his own self. <sighs> let's take a deep breath together and just, just pause for a moment there and let's try to get the breath down into our belly so that we're doing that lovely diaphragmatic breathing and not breathing high in our chests. Okay, ready? Let's inhale through the nose. Let's hold. Try to feel that fullness in your belly. And let's exhale slowly through the mouth. And let's try again, and I'm going to count for you. Inhale through the nose. One, two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four, five. Exhale. Two, three, four, five. Push it a little more. Seven, eight. And now breathe whatever's normal for you. So I am fascinated by the idea that what Montagna thought would be retirement would be vacation, even though he still had to manage his estates but and a thriving um, vineyard business with different parcels of land, I think, scattered around the region. Apparently, that I, I think the vineyard is still going to this day. I think it's still making wine. But, you know, there were people he could sort of, like, push that off to. He could delegate to. He could... His his wife was apparently quite good at running the estate, and he preferred to go off on adventures and go traveling with a retinue of others. And he was um, often uh, uh, considered quite a wise advisor to a succession of French kings, and so... He had things to do, but mostly he wanted to hang out, read, and meditate, and perhaps he thought, oh, well, I'll go on some vacations, and 
And what he found was that in the reading and the meditation and being alone in his his office of sorts, where I believe he also had a bed, it was a tower uh, at his castle, and he had all these different Greek and Latin phrases. He was fluent in Latin. It was actually his first language. His dad was this weird experiment, had this weird experimental idea that um, his kid should be raised with uh, Latin first. And the local dialect was not spoken to him, I think, until he was at least six years old. Uh, nor was sort of the more formal French, although there, I don't know that there was really a standardized French at that time, uh, especially since within decades, France would be tearing itself apart through civil wars. But anyway, so he, he could chatter away in Latin, which was a, almost a dead language. <laughs> It was not totally, but even then there weren't people walking around just chatting, chatting it up in Latin. It was something you studied in school. And if you were sort of the ideal Renaissance man, you knew Latin and Greek and you knew the language of your country. And but you also knew other thing, other languages, too. Anyway, so he is inclined to this life of sort of educational leisure. or That's what he thinks. And then that's not that's not what brings him joy, actually. He needs to do things. He needs to write. And like so many people in the centuries since the essays was published, um, I relate to that. So many people see themselves in Montaigne and have seen themselves over the years. There were some folks during the Enlightenment who did. Some of the Transcendentalists did. There were some folks during the French Revolution who did, which is wild because he was obviously a royalist um, who had lived generations before them. But he was also one of the first writers, the very first writers, who was anti-colonial, who was critical of um, colonizing, who had uh, deep deep sympathy for the tortured populations who experienced genocide at the hands of the Spanish conquistadors and others. Um, He was really deeply empathetic to the suffering of animals. Um, Just sort of a fascinating, fascinating individual. And I would say he was ahead of his time, except that there are people in our own time who are rather powerful, who wouldn't agree with him, who would think that his views on things were soft. So he was um, really, really an interesting fellow. But I reflect that, as I talked about in the previous episode, WTF is a vacation, that, that for some of us, there is joy in creation. There is joy in work that it actually nurtures us and feeds our souls to create our letters to the world, whatever they may be, whatever format they may take. And I invite you to ask yourself, what is my letter to the world? What is the way in which I create something that is of meaning to me? So whether that is your garden, 
from which there's a bounty of vegetables or, and fruits and herbs that it brings you joy to bring to neighbors or to bring to friends or you love cooking with that. And then you can serve a meal that uh, whether you take a snapshot of it and post it on Instagram or merely enjoy it with your loved ones. Like maybe that's your letter to the world. Maybe you are a writer, you're a painter, you play music. Maybe you're an educator. Maybe you run a daycare and your letter to the world is um, what you, the education, the lessons you imbue into these tiny people um, of whom I'm sure you take spectacular care. Maybe you got a podcast. Um, maybe you've got a blog or, or a YouTube channel or any number of things, but what is it that sustains you that somebody else might go, oh, wow, that takes effort because it does, but that doesn't, that's not a bad thing. Something that helps you, as my dad often uses the, the metaphor of Superman regenerating in the rays of the sun. What is that for you? Sometimes... Sometimes for me, it's telling these stories or talking about this. Sometimes it's writing essays of my own. Sometimes it's being a guest on other podcasts. I just had a, I can't say who it is yet or what it is because um, it's not been announced yet. Uh, but I had a, a production person come over for a really great podcast that I was very honored to be on and um, if I like the way it turns out when it comes out I'll tell you about it <laughs> talking about talking about being an artist um, and some some other stuff the business of being an artist too and having a day job and which is a career not just a day job for me but anyway um what is it for you? I mean, do you have a newsletter? <laughs> I do. Patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa. Soon also to be available on Substack. It's called Serotonin. Um, are you a pastor? Do you preach on the weekends? Are you a lay leader in your faith community? I mean, there's a million different ways in which you can send letters out to the world. Maybe you just paint tiny, tiny objects and set them out on random stoops in your neighborhood and hope that people enjoy them. That counts too. Um, I don't know. Think about it. Think about what it is. And if you don't have something, some activity that, that nurtures you, and it does not have to be for sale or for approval or for applause or something like that, a thing that you really love to do into which you put some metaphorical part of yourself in a wonderful way that helps you regenerate in the rays of the sun. You know, what is that thing? If you don't have something, consider trying different random things, just seeing if anything feels particularly special to you. If you're somebody who, who rescues and takes care of injured or abandoned animals, I mean, gosh, that is a beautiful letter to the world. What poetry and magic and 
kindness and compassion there is in that work. It can be very difficult sometimes. It can be really sad. It can be gross. It can be disheartening and traumatizing and different things, but it also can be so deeply fulfilling. It's another example. Just wanted to invite you to think about those things in case it helps you, as the words of uh, Michel Ekiem de Montagne uh, through Professor Antoine Compagnon have helped me this week. So the book is A Summer with Montagne on the Art of Living Well by Antoine Compagnon. And then there's the essays by Michelle de Montagne. And I also, and there's different translations. I'm reading the one by M.A. Screech. It's a hefty book. I would also recommend uh, the book by Sarah Bakewell. I've been listening to the audiobook, which is about Montagne. And let me see... I don't know why I can't remember. How odd. Ah, oh, I'm I'm right now, I'm also listening to the essays. <laughs> I'm really going in. I'm trying to figure out, I don't know, what I want to do next. I would love to write um, a book of essays. I don't know that my agent thinks it would sell, unfortunately. Um, and I trust his his judgment. He's great. But um, truly, that's what I'd, I'd like to write. Um, How to Live by Sarah Bakewell, A Life of Montagna, really beautifully read by, let me see here, gosh, who is the narrator? She's so good. Davina Porter. It's great. It's 13 hours, 26 minutes. I'm listening to it for the third time in a row. What a nerd. Anyway, I hope you're doing well. I'm thinking of you. I am sending you love. I am sending you good vibes, baby. (laughs) I am sending you encouragement. And uh, I hope that you will join us over at patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa because we've got something cool coming out soon. Just this weekend, I'm giving patrons an exclusive look at all of the artwork for my short illustrated fiction collaboration with Robert Hack, who's been working a lot on Doctor Who um, and the Daleks. He recently illustrated um, some prose. Oh gosh, I think it's the Daleks. I forget, but it's a book with an introduction. It's a Doctor Who book with an introduction by Neil Gaiman, um, whose Sandman just came out, and I'm I've seen a little of it, um, and I can't wait to see the whole thing. It, it was. What I saw, what little I saw was gorgeous. But anyway, Robert and I have collaborated on this this story. It's a real whale of a tale. All right. Let's take a deep breath together. Again, try to get that breath into your belly. First, you might want to, if it's available to you, move your head around a little bit. Stretch your neck a little bit. I've been working on that because Lord knows... I have a lot of shoulder tension and um, very grateful to have a Pilates back stretcher thing. And I just purchased a shiatsu little self-massage machine thing. You can get them on the internet and, you know, um, hoping to stave off the need for more trips to the chiropractor. Um, Anyhow. Let's uh, move your neck around very gently. And then let's take a deep breath together. Inhale through the nose. 
hold. Hold a little more if you can, and then exhale so slowly like you're squeezing toothpaste out of a tube. Let your shoulders drop, keep going. You know, in my dream world, I would be a certified Pilates instructor, certified breathwork instructor, best-selling author, show, successful TV show creator. What else? Oh, certified massage therapist. But I'm also so happy to be who I am and what I am right now in this moment just in this moment and it's good to be happy about those things in the moment because we all know the feelings pass joy passes heartbreak passes depression passes disappointment passes but what we're left with is life for now <laughs> life as 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 long as uh, as long as we've got it and there are people along the way, whether they are alive or dead, like Montagna, whether we meet them in person or not, whether we ever hear their recorded voice or not, there are people along the way who are guides pointing us where we're meant to go to help us to become more of who we are meant to be in this lifetime. And I don't know if we get another one. So here's to being more of who you really are at your best. I wish you the best. Thank you so much for listening. And if you liked this episode, there's a bunch of others. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a nice rating. Give it a little review that's cute and nice. Because I see that and that makes me feel good about life for a moment. And then I go back to feeling however I felt before. Anyway, <laughs> also thank you once again to all the patrons at patreon.com slash Casa. You make this whole thing possible and I appreciate you deeply. All right, everybody. Take good care. Talk to you soon. I hope, you know, unless I don't, but I hope I do. Okay, bye.